Coming up in this episode, a Liberian security agent becomes the first government official to be convicted of human trafficking. He's serving 25 years in prison as authorities close in on others. But what's happening to the women who returned home? After scores of children were killed by tinted imported medicine in the Gambia, what is being done to protect Liberians? The medications themselves that are coming into the country, where they produced, who's making them, have they been tested? Seven years since U.S.-based British International arrived in Liberia to overhaul schools, experts, teachers, and parents say it's time to end the experiment. No, nothing different. So government should take over and we all, you know, revitalize our education system. And Finnish prosecutors are appealing last year's equator of former Revolutionary United Front Commander Jibu Masakwe on charges he committed war crimes and crimes against humanity in Liberia. The appeal is hearing testimony in Liberia. We get the latest. You are listening to Democracy in Focus. Welcome to our program, looking at Liberian democracy in the run-up to this year's elections. It's a collaboration of Front Page Africa, with reporting for some of Liberia's best reporters in the new narratives program. I'm Anthony Stevens. And I'm Evelyn Kbader-Sikwi. In 2016, as the Salive administration was ending its second term, Liberian schools were failing on every measure. Only 38% of kids were enrolled in school. Among other women who had finished primary school, only one quarter could read a sentence. The government decided to try something radical. It invited private providers to come in and take over 93 randomly selected public schools. One of those providers, the U.S.-based British International, became the giant. After starting with 23 schools in 2016, British now manages 360. New Narrative senior reporter Eric Opaduo undertook an investigation to see how they were doing. He joins us now. Eric, what did you find? Evelyn, everywhere I went, I saw the same things. Buildings are crumbling. There aren't enough teachers. No teaching supplies. Kids have dropped out. Toga Macintosh in Riverside was one of the first 23 schools given to Bridge to manage in 2016. First principal Moseba told me that nothing has changed since Bridge took over the school. The school just has five teachers. There were 11, but five laid down the chalk because government owes them salaries. Some of the parents told me they were forced to choose some of their children to send to the school and keep others out because they're wearing enough uniforms for all of them. An independent study of preschools found this often happened. The school is now being run by the vice principal and four teachers. Many of the problems, such as poor teacher training and no teaching materials, have been laid at the feet of bridge. But the government is not meeting its obligations either. This is vice principal why. Because of no teacher, we combine some of the classes and more especially we affect the student for the academic year. Bridge was very controversial when it came in. A 2020 independent study of Bridge schools in Liberia found children were reading roughly 2.2 additional words per minute, but dropout rates had increased by more than half and fewer children were moving to secondary school. It also found Bridge failed to reduce sexual abuse. With all these, what are parents saying? The head of the Parents Teachers Association is Sam Farley. He blames the government for everything. 
the government is disappointing us. How will a principal be teaching in a school? That man will come here from 7.30 to 4. You will be on a school campus. Then you go pull hold to the main check. Now our children is not suffering. It's affecting a lot. The agreement between Bridge and the government requires government to maintain buildings and pay teachers. Bridge was to provide teacher training, teaching materials, and pay teacher overtime. Neither side is holding up its end of the deal. Eric, you visited other British schools. Was it the same story there? At Sarah Samson George, a British school in Buchanan, Grand Bassa County, teachers say they have not received learning materials. They complain about overtime pay they say British owes them. Some teachers have quit. Principal Emmanuel Rebo says it's time to end the British agreement. Teachers going extra man, no incentive. So no, nothing different. So government should take over and we all you know, revitalize our education system. None of this came as any surprise to teachers here who have been loudly opposed to the private partnership from the beginning. Teachers say there are no shortcuts to improving the education system. It will take a bigger investment in teacher training, higher teacher pay from the meager 150 United States dollars a month that most get now, and more money to the system overall. They are calling for a jump to 20% of the government budget, up from the 12% where it is now. Secretary General of the National Teachers Association of Liberia, Samuel Johnson, says the system should be put in the hands of counties. There are new phenomena in the education sector. There are new technology, even the sciences, there are new development. When you improve all of these things, you get continual professional development to train teachers as it is doing our neighboring countries, the sector will improve. What did the Ministry of Education and Bridge say about these findings? Neither the Ministry of Education nor Bridge agreed to interviews. Head of Communication at the Ministry of Education, Maxim Blitem, broke a series of appointments. British Executive Director Bovade Bidia responded by WhatsApp. I'm reading his response. Of course, schools are dissatisfied with one thing or another. It is one-sided if you aren't balancing it with schools that are praising us for our interventions, especially the many, many British schools who have 100% pass rate from the recently released third and sixth grades Y results. So I called one of the schools that William referred to as an example of success, Bakeru Public School in Lofa, and I just heard more of what I've heard elsewhere. Principal Aliu V. Dollar says Bakeru has teacher shortages and limited teaching materials. Of 12 teachers in the school, only three are on the government's payroll. Dollar says 14 out of 15 6th graders who sat the test passed successfully. He says that was because of the extra efforts by teachers, not because of breach. The WEAR administration has not given any hint that it is considering moving away from the private partnerships evening. So, we'll be looking closely at the other political parties competing to lead the country and see what their plans for education are. Thanks, Eric. You are welcome, Evelyn. Alarm bells went off across the world in October last year when 77 children in the Gambia died and many more were sickened by a tinted cough medicine 
that had come from an Indian company called Medinhev. Liberian authorities, like those around the world, banned imports from the company. But as Sarah's Hammer found in this report for Spoon FNN from Pish Africa, there is little Liberian authorities can do to stop illegal medicines flooding Liberia. It's late afternoon in Red Light Market on the outskirts of Morovia. And hundreds of marketers from across Liberia have trooped here to sell goods of different kinds. The marketers sustain their families by coming here every day to sell at one of the country's most densely populated markets. Among them are dozens of medicine pecklers, usually men hawking drugs to drivers and passersby. They keep their wares in buckets, earning them the nickname Bucket Boss. Business is way down for Bucket Boss year. Government awareness campaigns have scared many of their customers away. Government says their drugs are not safe. Bought from unregulated dealers, they are out of date, poor quality, thick or even tinted. Medicines are also poisoned depending on how you how you take it, even with, with when they are good. Okay, depending on the quality quantity you take, they could be poisonous. They should start purchasing from pocket boys because it's not safe. Dr. Flumoku Miller is the technical advisor of the government agency tax with regulating medicine imports into Liberia. The Liberian Medicines and Health Products Regulatory Authority, or the LMHRA, the authority licenses importers and the companies that sell the medicines. The government was able to immediately suspend imports from Made in Pharma, for example, but there are major limitations. So what we do is we test per batch, every batch. So you are telling me that every medicine product that enters this country has been tested by the LMHRA? Yes, when you've been authorized for, for import, there are routes to which product will come in. You know, sometimes it's unofficial by, like we said from the beginning of this interview, people will smuggle. Those are not the ones I'm talking about. Dr. Mira says these drugs are the ones that most often find themselves to bucket boss and market sellers. But there are likely also problems with medicine imported legally. Though the authority tests then, Dr. Mira concedes it does not have the training and equipment to do the thorough quality checks that will catch all problems. Sophistication in terms of food decentralization, in terms of resources, equipment, qualified professionals. We need, we need more technical people. To have them on board, you need salaries to pay them. James BM is the deputy director of the Supply Chain Management Unit within the Department of Pharmaceutical Service at the Ministry of Health. You also concedes that though there are strong policies on health regulation, there is not enough political will to enforce them. 
for example, the donation gala, the donation gala is actually meant to evaluate drugs that are coming in country from, the, from, from donors. That gala has all of the ingredients you know, that are required to make sure, to, to ensure that drugs coming in country are not substandard or they are not expired drugs. But then again, for example, the, the document we're talking about in question now is it has expired. It was designed or drafted to, to let go for like five or, or six to seven years, and after that, it should be reversed. But due to the lack of finance, so the government still have that document lying down in the expired stage. He wants to see a tax force with all relevant parts of government involved. Currently, as we speak, our borders are porous. And, and even the Ministry of Health and the NMHRA does not have the power, the manpower, you know, to tackle all of the issues as it relates to, you know, importation of loose medicine. Security-wise, we also need the security support. On the front lines, medical staff are dealing with the devastating impact. Boama Dube is a physician assistant at the Beskier Medical and Diagnostic Clinic in the ERWA community of Painesville City. Just recently, he treated a five-year-old child whose mother had bought medicine without a doctor's prescription. I saw a child here with malaria, vomiting, a lot of things were happening. According to the mother, they took the child to a drugstore and they gave the child malaria medication. The medication or what that was served that person was not the correct dose. It never had the active ingredient. Dugbe's treatment saved the child's life. Such stories make leading infectious diseases spread that Dugbe Christopher Yan angry. He wants to see a much tougher regulatory system in place. The medications themselves that are coming into the country, uh, where are they coming from? Where are they produced? Who's making them? Have they been tested to prove that what they claim is actually accurate? Uh, in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration, even in Ghana, the Food and Drug Administration uh, does that and evaluate this medication. And they usually stop the medication if the f- laboratories of the government finds out that these medications are not doing what they claim to be doing. In Liberia, it's another story. Dr. Yan is part of a global chorus of experts alarmed by the rampant misprescription of antibodies. Overuse of antibodies is making people resistant to them and reducing their ability to treat illness. They worry that soon there will be no effective antibodies left. They are some of the drugs most often given out by pharmacists and illegal sellers. Dr. Yan would like to see many medicines available only with a doctor's prescription. For now, Getting safe medicine continues to be a dangerous lottery for most Liberians. That was Sarah Summer reporting for Spoon FM and Front Page Africa. Last month, an agent of the National Security Agency called Arthur Chinchin was sentenced to 25 years for human trafficking. Anthony, you've been following these cases. Tell us more and why this case is so important. Chinchin is the first government official to be convicted of human trafficking, and is the highest penalty for trafficking in Liberia. It follows the revision of the country's trafficking law in 2021, which made the minimum sentence for a trafficking conviction 20 years. Judge Roosevelt Willey agreed with state prosecutors that Chinchin 
who was stationed at the Ryerson International Airport, abused his position by helping the two women evade immigration checks on their way out of the airport to catch a flight to Oman. The jury found that Chen Chen worked with his brother Samuel, who is based in Dubai, to deceive the two women into believing that they would be working in decent jobs in the factory earning 500 United States dollars each a month. The women were poor and desperate to get their families out of poverty. Instead, they ended up in terrible situations as domestic servants, working 20 hours daily, being beaten and sexually assaulted with no days off. They were paid around 150 United States dollars each a month. One of the women told us she spent 10 terrifying weeks in an Omani jail because her sponsor accused her of stealing a phone. One of her CRMA's died, according to her. Authorities estimate about 200 women went to Oman as part of their scam. Chen received 75 US dollars from each one as they passed through the airport. So that's about 15,000 US dollars that he would have netted from the scheme. Arthur's brother Samuel worked with Omani agents to get the women's visas and air tickets, according to prosecutors. The victims paid about 400 US dollars each to Samia's wife, if Imarovia. Was Samia also prosecuted? Liberia does not allow prosecutions in absentia, but prosecutors have requested Judge Wede to order the Liberia National Police to issue an international arrest warrant for Samia. The goal is to have him extradited to Liberia to face the charge of human trafficking. We understand investigations are ongoing and authorities expect to arrest more people in government. After a sentence, Arthur stopped me for an interview in the courtyard. They are sending me to, to die. 25 years at the age of, at the age of 57. I mean, they tell me that just to go bury me, that's all, for a crime that I did not commit. I said, the jury read in court. I work at, at RIA, Rural International Airport. Ben, executed men, to not ban you or stop you from helping anybody. That nature this is why you are there. Somebody who doesn't know your way out, he asks you, Yes. The judge said that you abused the position. I did not abuse my position. Chenche made a lot of allegations about a cover up by police and higher ups in government. But so far, I've found no evidence of that. So, what has become of those women? So, in this case, the judge also ordered Chenche to pay 11,000. United States dollars as a restitution to the two victims. The new law means that the women don't need to do anything more. The government can sell Chen's property to pay the women, but we have found the government has done nothing to make this happen. The women are also unhappy that they've been given no protection by the government. They claim they have been offered bribes by Chen allies not to testify. So while they have been key to getting his conviction, the victims also tell they will not play that same role in cases that come up in the future. The government has got a lot of accolades, especially with the U.S. government, for the success in cracking this rank. But Amy needs to be careful to protect the witnesses if that success is to continue. Anthony, thanks for that. You are welcome, Evelyn. Finally today, in 2022, the former revolutionary United Front Commander Jibril Massacre became the only former combatant 
to face trial for alleged atrocities committed in Liberia's civil war to be acquitted. A Finnish court found prosecutors didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the Sierra Leonean ally of former Liberian president and convicted war criminal Charles Tiller had committed the crimes prosecutors accused him of. The trial was 15 months long, with months of hearings in Liberia and Sierra Leone. It cost Finnish taxpayers more than a million U.S. dollars, according to the district court. The other four trials in courts in the U.S. and Europe have been less than four weeks. Massacre's equator was a big blow for justice activists who have been pursuing justice for Liberian victims of the war. Now, prosecutors have appealed that acquittal. The appeals court is now in Liberia to hear from many of the witnesses again. Leonard Dodu of Front Page Africa has been one of new narrative reporters covering the trial. Leonard, what are the key issues at the heart of this appeal? It's been very well established that one of the massacres that witnesses say was led by Massacre happened at Waterside area in Monrovia in July or August of 2003. The problem for prosecutors is that it was the same time that Massacre was in a UN safe house in Freetown where he was under protection because he was giving investigators in the special court for Sierra Leone evidence about the roles of Charles Taylor and the RUF leaders in the war in Sierra Leone. Massacre's defense says, it is crazy to think he could have escaped the safe house at all, but certainly not to travel to Liberia to commit war crimes on behalf of Charles Taylor while he was testifying to the special court against Charles Taylor. There was not a lot of good evidence of this from prosecutors in the first trial. But in the appeal hearings, the court has heard from former soldiers with Charles Taylor who said they definitely traveled into Liberia with Massacre and that he was at the Waterside Massacre directing murders, rape and other atrocities. So, prosecutors will be hoping that they can convince the judges that happened. Of course, if the appeals court finds that Massacre did escape the safe house, that will open a lot of questions about the special court for Sierra Leone and how it protected witnesses from influence in their testimonies. The special court convicted a dozen of key perpetrators in that war. The other key issue that prosecutors will need to prove is that Jibril Massacre is Angel Gabriel. That's the name that dozens of witnesses gave for the man who they claim committed atrocities in Monrovia and Lofa at the heart of this trial. Human rights experts have said they did not hear of anyone named Angel Gabriel at those massacres. So in coming weeks, prosecutors will be trying to prove that Angel Gabriel and Jibril Massacre are one and the same. Thanks, Leonard. Just before the trial, I spoke of the presiding judge of the appeals court, Kimu Fenning. We are expecting to hear a little over 70 witnesses. There are certain which we haven't uh, been able to reach, so the number is not quite certain, but perhaps I could say that around 70 witnesses here in Liberia. We have heard that three of the witnesses who are supposed to be heard 
at the end. Can you please speak to that? Yes, that's correct. Three of the witnesses who were supposed to be heard have died uh, after the district court hearings. There, there has been no other uh, alternative than to watch uh, the videos from their hearings in the district court. I have uh, no, uh, no knowledge of the reasons for their death or, or whether they had been threatened after their testimonies or, or anything like that. We presume that they died of natural causes. There's no uh, knowledge pointing to another direction. And are you also expecting to travel to, to Seven? Will you also travel to Seven as we are hearing? Uh, well, we are hoping for that we can travel to Sierra Leone and that would, according to our wishes, happen in the beginning of May. But we haven't received an answer for our request for the uh, mutual uh, legal assistance from Sierra Leone government. So we are still expecting and, and, and hoping for the best. That's all for now. In our next program, we will follow up on several issues that have been capturing headlines this year as the October elections get closer. You are listening to Democracy in Focus, a new narrative production. If you have a story suggestion or you want to let us know what you think of the program, text us at WhatsApp number plus 231-770-960-297. You can also comment and follow us on Facebook at New Narratives or check out our website, newnarratives.org. I'm Anthony Stevens. And I'm Evelyn Padasikwi. The music in this episode is by Fev Vonick. Reporting in this podcast was funded by the Swedish and U.S. embassies in Liberia. Thanks for listening.